This is it. Episode number one of the RevCast. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Desatel, and I'm excited to, to be here to be starting this journey with you. Uh, and we're going to be looking uh, for the next uh, long while, because uh, it's a long book. Uh, we're going to be looking at The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr. Uh, so if you have the book, uh, please, uh, please try and keep up with the chapters. Uh, if not, um, just know there are spoilers coming. Uh, today, uh, on the RevCast, I have uh, my good friend, uh, the Reverend Tim Kobler, uh, and I'm going to let him take a couple minutes and just introduce himself, uh, what he does and why he does it and those kinds of things. So welcome, Tim. Thanks. It's good to be here. I am uh, currently serving as the chaplain of the Wesley Foundation at the University of Michigan, and I have been kind of all over the place. Um, and, and what, uh, explain for folks what... Uh, what chaplain at the Wesley Foundation means. Sure. Wesley Foundations are uh, mission stations, basically, of the United Methodist Church on the campuses of state universities. And so we are located right across the street from the University of Michigan, and we engage not just United Methodist students, but anyone who wants to come through our door or engage in anything that we do outside of the doors um, with an opportunity to explore their spiritual life and uh, their understanding of God and also their relationship with the world. So I've done this in Michigan now for just over a year, but I've been involved in campus ministry for 17 years. Been a minister for 27. (laughs) Hard to believe. Um, I'm a native of Illinois, but I have spent the last 30 years living in the South, the Southeast in particular. It's like Eastern Kentucky, wasn't it, or uh, Tennessee? Well, I left Illinois to go to Atlanta, Georgia for my oh, seminary work. Oh, Deep South. And Deep Did South. Did you go to Candler? I went to Candler. Wow. And uh, served as a student pastor in West Georgia, about 18 miles from the Alabama border. Whew. And so my next door neighbors were cows, and I, I learned how to chase down cows that get out of the pen. And um, See, that time in the South, that's why your beard skills are as good as they are. <laughs> that's we'll, what it is, man. We'll, uh, we'll post a picture with this episode. Uh, Tim, Tim has mad beard skills. So, Yeah, I'll be uh, doing a beard competition this week in yeah, Detroit. I know, so, I know. Yeah, so uh, my second one. It's not a habit that I've uh, <laughs> taken up on a regular basis, but it looked like something fun to do. Yeah. But uh, lived in Atlanta for four years, and then I ended up moving to Tennessee to the Holston Conference, which is the eastern part of Tennessee and the southwestern tip of Virginia. And so I hopped around different locations there, served for um, 10 years as a local church pastor. And then... What did you think of that? I enjoyed it, but I always felt called to campus ministry. Um, But I think it gave me the grounding to be able to help with um, getting the concepts of uh, leadership development in a much less transient environment yeah. where the people stayed. Right. Um, campus ministry every three to four years, the whole population changes. Every year, the the feel of it changes because people's interests and trends change. And so we some people come in, some people go out. Right. Yeah. And and their commitments to their academic life or volunteer work and all of that change. And so people. Uh, take on different interests along the way so you just can't pick up what you did last year yeah and do it the same so 
so I've never done campus ministry per mm-hmm. se, but I was a youth pastor for 15 years. Yeah. And it kind of, it kind of sounds like it'd be a, a similar kind of deal. Right. Um, figuring out how to engage uh, the younger mindset mm-hmm. with, with some of these uh, spiritual pieces, especially when they're, when they're a transient population. Right. right? They, they're, they're, they're itinerant almost. Yes. <laughs> um, they're not going to be there long. Yeah, um, and so you have to you have to work at, at trying to get the most bang for your buck and make the biggest impact uh, in in a short amount of time. Right in Methodist parishes, it's the pastors that move on every so every yep. four years or so. In uh, campus ministry, it's all the students. So yeah. it's a, it's finding a, a sustainable method of leadership development where they can help build each other up. Yeah, I'm on year six in Ypsilanti. Yeah, uh, we did eight in Oscoda. Um, we 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 like we like we like being a little longer term. <laughs> I've always yeah. enjoyed those. Yeah, there were some that I early on in my ministry that were three year stints, um, and uh, at that time it was also more common to move yeah. pastors along. They didn't have a, a vision for longer term ten years at a at a congregation. Yeah, yeah, I you know and so, yeah sometimes. Uh, you end up you end up with just personality conflicts with a congregation mm-hmm. that are irreconcilable. I have a I have a friend who did I think uh, five or six churches in five years, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and <laughs> yeah, he uh, good guy, good pastor, uh, just some troubled congregations I think mm-hmm. um, that that he wound up jumping from one to the other. So, um, so, so, tell us, uh, tell us more about yourself. What, what's your favorite, what's your favorite piece of ministry you're doing these days? Uh, that kind of stuff. Favorite thing to do, and the thing that students are responding to more than many um, other things are community service related things. So, getting outside the walls uh-huh. of our building and doing things that engage the needs of the community, and I think that helps to build better uh, church members, better community members, so that when they graduate, they have a sense of what their skills are. They have an eye to see the needs of the community and where those two things meet up, um, where the deep need of the world yep. uh, cry out, and, and then their skills can, can um, come in and, and try to be a part of a solution or helping to build up community. Yeah. To be the church wherever they're at. Yeah, I, I like that. That's that's kind of getting to be a theme for me these days. Yeah. Uh, is pushing the church beyond the walls. Yeah. Um, and and I think campus ministry uh, is a, is a good way to show that the the church is is not is not the walls. It's not the roof. It's it's the people out doing the the mission and the ministry. So that's yeah. good. And in campus ministry, sometimes the walls can be a tremendous obstacle. Um, people will engage in a service project alongside us who may not have had any church experience or had bad church experience. Uh-huh. And so they don't want, they don't feel comfortable engaging in a theological discussion until they get a sense of who the people are they're working with. Right. So then people will eventually end up in our Bible studies or our worship services after they get to know what kind of people they are, because there's so much baggage out there. Oh, yeah. Of... Uh, Bad Christianity. Yeah, I I shared uh, I shared in my sermon yesterday um, when I was in Bible college, and this was back in my far right uh, 
evangelical days. We yeah. had we part of the the curriculum the, to, to to graduate was memorizing a gospel presentation where I could walk up mm-hmm. to somebody on the street. And I did it on the, at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> walked onto campus and would stop people uh, and and ask them if they were to die today, do you know where you'll go? You know, and well, I grew it, up with that too. And and then like give them the scripture and walk them through it and get them to hopefully uh, say, okay, I believe that. Pray the prayer with me, and and it's and it's done. And people I know, um, I know there were a lot of people who just prayed with me to get me to shut up. Yeah, right. Was this the um, Roman road you were oh, taking them similar, on? Similar, similar. Yeah, okay. Um, it was it was that that school's own kind of branded. Uh, path that they did but okay. but it was it was a similar kind of thing and they had all sorts of cool memorize this or write this upside down here you know just little keys and cues to help you mm-hmm. uh, know where you're going and um you know I'm an extrovert so I love talking to people but but it was it was it was really rough mm-hmm. uh and the reality is it is uh evangelism is relational it's it's mm-hmm. it's not an intellectual ascent. It's not convincing somebody to believe in something. Uh, it is walking alongside people in relationship. I I, I described it yesterday that uh, you uh, I'd used uh, Zacchaeus. Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus's house, mm-hmm. uh, and Zacchaeus has this transformation. Right. right. Jesus doesn't say, uh, "For God so loved me," or "For, for God so loved <laughs> the world that He gave His only me." Um, yeah, he said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Zacchaeus, it was a transformative experience that reaching out, uh, that walking alongside. Uh, and so as we walk alongside or as we invite others to walk with us in life and they see us walking with Jesus, um, there's a very good chance that they're going to see that and want to walk with Jesus too. Yeah. Um, and it, and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have to be through words and intellectual assent and those and those kinds of things. And the thing is, it's harder work. Oh, it's much more of an investment than walking somebody through a ten-minute or five-minute presentation of of a few Bible verses and saying, "Believe this, and yeah. you're good." Yeah, infinitely harder. Yeah, uh, which is why I think we we don't do it. The other the other thing <laughs> I mentioned is uh, that uh, uh, we've gotten lazy. Mm-hmm. Because uh, since the moment Constantine declared Christianity uh, the the religion of the empire, we've had the power of empire behind us. Yes, um, even in even into to U.S. history, we've had the power of empire behind us, mm-hmm. uh, and and that that marriage is is dissolving right now, which yes. is why we see it, uh, some of the evangelicals clinging to to the the far right because they still have, feel like they have that power of empire behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I said, uh, it's about time. Now, yeah. now we have a chance to really be the church. Um, so, so yeah, if you guys tuned in to listen to my sermon, <laughs> 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 but I'm just, oh, I'm, 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 I'm pretty passionate about that these days. Uh, just this, this death of empire and rebirth of the church. Yeah. I, this paradigm shift has, has got people, really having to rethink everything yeah for sure so any anything else uh uh we need to know you went to candler um where'd you do your undergrad i did my undergrad at southern illinois university oh. so started yeah. off in the You're, sciences hang on are you a bears fan <laughs> actually i'm from southern illinois so we were closer to st louis than chicago all right so in my part of the state 
many of us were Cards fans because right. the baseball and football Cardinals yeah. were in St. Louis at the time. Yeah. And so, right. yeah, I grew up. I grew up with the Cards. That's better. That, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were a few people that were yeah. all about the Bears. Yeah. But um, it's nice to know they still suck. They, I, I, I picked <laughs> their defense. Some things never change. That's right. I picked their defense for my fantasy fantasy league, and they'd been they'd been really good in like the last couple weeks. They've just been killing me. So, <laughs> all right. So the so the book we're going to talk about uh, is uh, is the Universal Christ by Richard Rohr. And uh, right off the bat, when you hear the the term uh, universal, uh, you you start thinking of. Uh, uh, the the believe anything's kind of uh, kind of folks the universalist kind of churches, mm-hmm. um, and that's not really the feeling I I, I get with this book at all. Um, it's uh, the the very first uh, the subtitle is how a forgotten reality can change everything we see, hope for, and believe. Uh, and the first chapter uh, is. Uh, Sorry, is uh, is called Christ is not Jesus' last name, uh, and I and I love that because oh, <laughs> because, because because uh, for a long time for me Christ was Jesus' last name. Yeah, and uh, uh, Rob Bell has uh, has a series of podcasts that he's hoping to turn into a book uh, called uh, Jesus H Christ: The Man, The Myth, <laughs> The Middle Initial. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind yeah. too when I when I saw the title of this, just Jesus H Christ. Uh, so so yeah, the uh, the general idea here is, at least uh, from what I understand, is is that Christ uh, is is God. Christ is God. Jesus is God in flesh. Um, it's still a Trinitarian kind of view of things, but but. The Christ is is the power that permeates everything. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the quotes that I liked early on was, uh, uh, "Everything visible, without exception, is the outpouring of God." Yes, uh, was one of my uh, favorite lines. First off, and actually seeing after getting to that part, uh, was that one page, uh, page and a half in on that chapter. That's it. I'm like, all right, we're gonna podcast this sucker. <laughs> because uh, it's yeah. just it's it's full full of stuff like that um so the so the point is um and probably the 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 piece the chapter hangs on for me uh is it's uh, there's a part where he says our faith became a competitive theology with various parochial theories of salvation instead of a universal cosmology inside of which we all can live with an inherent dignity um this this idea that our our faith has become something it was never supposed to be yeah um tainted by by human desire tainted by the power of empire tainted by uh any number of things we became a, a competitive theology mm-hmm. uh and i like that that term because because it's so accurate today absolutely uh, uh the um uh, John uh, uh, Pavlovitz had a piece where um, he, you know, he's just being lit up by his former 
friends and they're calling him a heretic and not having conversations with him because he believes differently and mm-hmm. and and it's this it's this competitive piece because uh, it doesn't sound like they're trying to win him back as much as they're trying to just discredit uh, and thereby uh, bring um, bring uh, bring more people into their way of thinking yeah uh, so so there's there's a lot here uh, and I and I don't want to I don't want to underemphasize that at all um, we could probably do six weeks on chapter one alone, uh, but I would I would ask uh, Tim what were what were some of the pieces that that jumped out at you uh, in this first chapter? Well, I, I echo what you say that there's, there's this competitive nature that has has come into our historical conversations, not only amongst various religious traditions of you know Christianity versus whatever else mm-hmm. but within Christianity itself and um, you know he talks about uh, you know page one of, of the chapter that you know across 30,000 or so varieties of Christians uh, you know we we have these various ideas of, of who this Jesus is or who Christ is and uh, We've thrown in theological wedges to divide ourselves, and and all the while, you know, God has been working to try to bring about this this unity, this holistic life, not only amongst ourselves but with all of creation. Um, and so, one of the beautiful things that uh, he talks about is that uh, creation is the first Bible, and it existed for thirteen point seven billion years oh, before the second Bible was written. And he even quotes. Scripture in a footnote from Romans one twenty, where it says, "Ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things God has made." Yeah. And you know, I I love hiking. I love a lot of natural things: camping, beekeeping. You know, that's another kayaking. Got a kayak kayaking on your, <laughs> yeah. on your car. And and so those sorts of things have. Uh, informed my spiritual life for many, many years. And, you know, some folks can't quite get their head around that, that, you know, I, I can have a religious experience just as much in the woods as I can in the sanctuary of a, of a church, oh, and sometimes it, more. <laughs> oh, a lot of times more so. Uh, the, and and that's, that's the thing, is it's, is it's not about the place. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the... Uh, I, oh, I let me. I want to find the quote so I get it right. But um, the the uh, the everything visible without exception is the outpouring of God. Yes, uh, that that's the church building. Uh, that's the path through the forest you're hiking. That's the river you're kayaking. Uh, everything visible without exception is the outpouring of God. Yes, um, and that. Uh, through this chapter, he brings it to to Colossians one, um, where we get this this idea of uh, all things uh, that we see, all things that are, are held together in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christ is bigger than Jesus Christ. Um, uh, one of the one of the one of the quotes is that uh, uh, Jesus and Christ are two separate. Uh, things that come together. Uh, uh, how does he say that? 
I don't want to just keep quoting everything, but uh, <laughs> but it's too good. Um, there we go. I'm not going to find it anyway. Uh, it's it is this this idea uh, that God is in everything. It's it's I think he even calls it at one point panentheism, uh, which is not God is everything as much as God is in everything. Right. Um, which means, uh, you know, every person we meet, uh, we are connected by by Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they assent to our belief or not, there's a connection there uh, in that in that created order. Um, one of the uh, one of the other ones that was really good uh, that I'm I'm probably gonna hang on to for a long time is that uh, God loves things by becoming them. Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah, uh, and and we see that right. That's that's a very incarnational statement. Um, because because God becomes Jesus, comes in Jesus in the flesh, and and dwells among us as uh, as we read in the Gospel of John, and and all these uh, great images of incarnation. Um, but we often think of it, and and this is where we get back to those uh, uh, different parochial views of of salvation. Um, we we have this idea that. Jesus came for one purpose. God came in the flesh in Jesus for one purpose, uh, and that was to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's more than that. Uh, it's so much more than yeah. that. Uh, if we start with this idea that that the way God loves things is by becoming them, uh, from from the moment of creation uh, onward, uh, it's it's a whole lot more than that. Yeah, the image that. Roar presents as more of a proactive God, right? One one who acts from the beginning with good intent, with love, rather than being a reactive God, a God who can't stand the sight of sin and who, as a reaction to our fallen nature, has to come and demands a blood sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ in order to be able to stand to be with us. Yeah. Instead, there's this notion of God has been incarnational. From the very beginning, right. from when the universe began, that was the first incarnation. God expressing that divine love by becoming those things, right? Um, and and it's, so, it, right, and then and then it's that coming together of 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 Christ and Jesus, the the humanity and the divinity uh, being wholly connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this. This we probably have early church fathers who were writing creeds rolling over in their graves, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but but it's this uh, this thing of of we've come together. We've uh, there's this there's this possibility uh, of of more of of deeper of. Um, of of connection on a level that we we don't comprehend. Mm-hmm. Uh, here I am flipping in the book again, guys. It's a really good book. You should pick it up and read it if you haven't already. <laughs> and and know that it's going to take some time to trudge through it. You yeah. just can't whip oh, through yeah. it and and absorb it. Yeah. Um, 
So, so we have uh, uh, faith, hope, and love are the very nature of God and thus the nature of all being. Such goodness cannot die, which is what we mean when we say heaven. Uh, frankly, Jesus came to show us how to be human much more than how to be spiritual, and the process still seems to be in its early stages. Um, those, those kinds of things uh, speak to a deepness and a journey that isn't really ever going to be over. Right, as as long as the world keeps spinning, as long as keep, people keep uh, making people, uh, this is a journey we're going to be on. Um, I tell folks, I don't care if you're a hundred, uh, you still have things to learn. You still have things about God to learn, and can be inspired and be impassioned. Yeah, um, because we really are at the early stages, um, the stages of that. Yeah. So any, anything else uh, really pop out at you in this chapter? Well, the idea of, of incarnational living, um, not just with each other. You know, he talks about this as being, a, seeing Jesus as an example of how to be more human and Christ as being an example of, of how to be more connected with all of creation. Right. You know, that, that, that universal expression of, of the divine. Um, it it really takes a broader view than just a personal salvation where, you know, we were sharing stories right. about those early days on campus is <laughs> where we would tell, you know, the gospel story as we understood it. Right. And, you know, trying to get people to assent to a certain thought. This is more of a practice of living, which is in love and respect and regard for all that is made and, and very relational. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and going back to that, uh, uh, everything visible is an outpouring of God. Yes. I mean, think about the other side, whatever the other side is to you, whatever them is to you, <laughs> Yeah. and apply that statement that they, the them in your life, are an outpouring of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, for some people, is hard to swallow. Yeah. Um it's 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 hard for me sometimes because there are there are some uh people out there that are downright evil. Yes. Um by by any measure of the <laughs> of the spectrum. Uh yet they are an outpouring of God. They're visible. Everything visible mm-hmm. is an outpouring of God and and there's a, a, I have to believe uh, a path uh, of of redemption there somehow. Uh, I because otherwise it really does it boils down to this who's uh, who's got the better idea of salvation that people are going to buy um, mm-hmm. to to make their church bigger to put more butts in the pews uh, and and that's all it is. Um, and then there's decline, and all we're about is maintaining the building and, and not really thinking about how are we connecting mm-hmm. and how are we uh, inviting people along for this journey. And, and do we understand what this journey is? Uh, are we able to really, um, to really connect ourselves? And I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of it... Uh, comes down to uh, 
comes down to people not really not really getting how to connect anymore not with each other and not with with god uh i i i I read this and and i feel like yeah i i i need to change some things right i need to 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 shift some perspective i need to not quite uh harbor so much uh, uh distress in my heart over situations i need to to be able to look at another person, even of them, and say, uh, Christ is in them. Yeah. And I think that that's been a, an historic work of the divine in humanity, to, to uh, illuminate those artificial divisions that humanity has created, and to help topple those to expand the view of who and what it is God loves um, from, you know, the, the end of Jesus' ministry as he was giving um, the, the Great Commission uh-huh. uh, to go into all the world, to, you know, beginning in Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Um, you know, it's an ever-widening circle. And even in Jesus' ministry, it started off uh, the physical Jesus ministry uh, started off with a narrow bandwidth, but then expanded and expanded and expanded so that, you know, the Syrophoenician woman, mm-hmm. that encounter, uh, expanded that ministry the, to the Samaritans. It expanded that ministry. And then with the encounter of Peter in the book of Acts, with the vision of the sheet coming down mm-hmm. and, and the vision in the vision God saying, don't call profane what I've called clean. Right. Um, there's that constant work, it seems, of uh, God to expand our view of, of what it is God loves, mm-hmm. who it is God loves. One of the one of the one of the other things he says in the chapter that I think uh, uh, comes off of that, especially your your reference to Acts there, uh, is that uh, Rohr says it's impossible to make individuals feel sacred inside of a profane, empty, or accidental universe. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes back to you know conversations I had uh, years ago about uh, where we start the story. Right. If we if we start in in Genesis three, uh, we're sunk. Right. Yeah. It's it's a universe that is uh, profane and empty, and and there's I mean that's where we get to uh, God is bloodthirsty and yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But if we if we jump back a couple chapters, uh, everything is good. Everything is created good. Um, and some of it very good. Yes. <laughs> uh, and and within that universe, it is possible for individuals to feel uh, sacred and feel wanted and feel uh, desired. It is. I I think it's it's one of the. I think it's uh, I think it's a vestigial. It's a vestigial piece of religious evolution that we hang on to this bloodthirsty God idea. Yeah, that we hang on to this uh, notion of of heaven and hell that really wasn't there from the beginning. These these ideas that um, if you don't if you don't come to the right conclusion, uh, you're gonna burn forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm I have 
Bible teachers from the late 90s rolling over in their grave. But um, <laughs> they, they won't be listening to this anyway. Uh, I'm too much a heretic. But so, <laughs> so, so but there's, but it's, we, we, have, we have to grow up sometime. We have to realize uh, that, that the book we, we cherish um, is about a journey of people. Uh, it's not a textbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's not stereo instructions. It's people saying, this is, this is how we did it. This is what we perceived uh, God to be doing. This is the call we felt. This is, um, and sometimes we messed up and sometimes we did okay. Uh, it, it's, it's that journey. Um, and it should prime us uh, to be on that journey as well. We talk about uh, in the law how uh, the uh, not just the Ten Commandments, but but the other pieces about how we how we treat each other. You know, it's uh, not an eye for an eye. Um, it's or or no, sorry, it is an eye for an eye, uh, which stops the escalation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, uh, the 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 law codes of the land were just continued escalation and violence and. Um, this eye for an eye thing was was measured response. It was a step in a less violent direction uh, yeah. than than all out war with another tribe because of an offense. Um, and but and we see throughout uh, the scripture people getting a better understanding, a, a different understanding. Uh, it's like it's like leading a child along a path. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first we tell we tell our kids don't touch the stove, um, ever, because you they don't they're not going to be able to know when it's hot or not, right? Right. Um, but eventually, I mean, uh, my oldest makes mac and cheese on the stove. Uh, we taught her how to do that, but we couldn't do that when she couldn't understand it. And so, as our understanding increases, as as our ability to to comprehend and see the world and the knowledge that we have increases, uh, so does the things that God can reveal to us. Um, we go from where we had a uh, uh, prior to prior to what we see of the Old Testament, um, prior to to Abraham, it was a lot of all right, we need rain, so let's sacrifice to the rain gods, and let's, you know, uh, the, that that kind of idea. And slowly but surely, they move into uh, a monotheism, and they move into a, um, you know, they they they're a, they're a bigger nation now. So let's codify this sucker, and let's make a sacrificial system so that everybody's not doing it willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Let's let's you know, and then slowly but surely, it gets it gets different, it gets better, it gets less violent. And we get to Jesus, who is like, uh, no violence. Let's none of that. Um, but but love yeah. uh, your enemy, love your neighbor uh, as you love yourself. Treat others the way you want to be treated. You know these. Uh, if somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn the other. Right. That yeah. that goes All right the against that, stuff. Right. Right against that eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, "You've heard it said, an eye for an eye." I tell you, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn the other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's an evolutionary change in an understanding of who God is and what God wants for yeah, us. Completely reframes things. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that happens all along the way. Um, but we become, we become empire. And then we're like, oh, nope, we're going to stop this. We're no longer recording this journey in, in, in a way that uh, we're going to allow people to, to access uh, as, as documents of faith. And yeah. we're just going to uh, s- stick right here, and, and this is what it is, and, and here are some atonement theories, and there you go. Codify it and <laughs> right. and then market it, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. We 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 live in a world of of consumer religion. Yes. Um. Instead of uh, instead of a uh, 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 I forget how I said it, but a uh, but a, uh, a a cosmology uh, of of wholeness of connectedness uh, to to the Christ to to God, to, to everything around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, it's an amazing, uh, it's, it, it's a mind blowing book. Uh, it's a mind blowing first chapter. Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we're only what, 23 pages into it. That's right. And it's already that, been something that, uh, is deeply engaging. Uh, yeah. So do you have any other, any other pieces that jump out at you, Tim? Um, that, uh, well, yeah, um, serving as, as I do near the academy yeah. and engaging with a lot of people who are in the academy. I have a lot of engineers. I have a lot of people who are in the sciences. Mm-hmm. And um, there is this sense of dichotomy between science and faith. Oh, but yeah. Rohr talks about that need, that there's a need for that, dialogue between mm-hmm. science and faith. And if you look at some of the language of astrophysics or of uh, quantum physics uh, and things like that, big physics and, and, you know, the smaller you get too, the, the language of science becomes so much more sounding like theology. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get down to, I mean, there, were, there was a search for the God particle, the Higgs boson particle. Yep. And, you know, this, that kind of language is right along with the language that, um, that Rohr talks about. You know, everything seen, you know, mm-hmm. is an, ex- an outpouring of God. And so, you know, we, we keep seeing more and more. We've got telescopes pointed out to deep space and we're seeing more and more of the edges of the universe. And, right seeing more and more of the outpouring of God and, and the language of the scientists reflect a, a deeper theology in its own kind mm-hmm. of way than even some of, you know, my early theological ideas. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was in college and I had this very simplistic kind of faith and it was, you know, very much more orthodoxy than orthopraxy and and um. and even then, <laughs> <laughs> even then it wasn't great orthodoxy. <laughs> what what I love, uh, uh, G.K. Chesterton, uh, in his book Orthodoxy, he starts out uh, by saying, "I set out to write a heresy, and I wound up with orthodoxy." <laughs> um, uh, just just this idea that, uh, um, well, and and uh, uh, one of the uh, German mystics, Meister Eckhart. Um, had this idea that that uh, as soon as we as soon as we start to form an image of God in our mind as soon as we start to to codify it or put 
put words to it we've already created an idol yeah um very much so and yeah one of the one of the sciencey pieces i think that i really liked uh in this chapter is he talks about light and that light isn't something we see as much as it is something by which we see yes and i like thinking about that especially uh when related to jesus telling us that we are the light of the world right yeah um it it goes on to say a city on a hill cannot be hid so it's 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 very much a, a beacon kind of kind of analogy for jesus but there's also this we are the light of the world um not so much what is seen but by which things are seen mm-hmm. right helping to reveal um, things helping to reveal uh and i i really like that idea that 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 image of of the church not as uh, uh here's our steeple it's a beacon come on in right mm-hmm. I, as much as it is uh, i'm going to walk with you i'm going to i'm going to try and help you to see some things um think of me as your flashlight as you as you journey you know what i mean yeah uh, that uh, i i think is a is is just a beautiful uh understanding of of science and 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 applying it to to faith there Oh man, it is such a good book. Um, so I wanna I wanna thank you all for uh, for hanging out with us. Um, the first episode uh, of a new podcast is is sometimes rough. The first six may be rough as we uh, <laughs> as we try and figure out uh, uh, things and get our feet underneath us. But it has been uh, it has been a lot of fun talking with you, Tim. Fun talking to you too, and this is my first, very first podcast to do uh, at all. So. Well, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> this is a grand uh, experiment and a sign of bravery uh, on your part. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the the point is just to have the conversation, and we hope uh, uh, you followed along in the book a little bit. Uh, get the book, read it. Uh, if you have questions, um, if you go to one of my churches or you go to Tim's church, uh, talk to us. Uh, if uh, you don't, if you found this somehow, uh, go ahead and you can get a hold of me at uh, Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at RevMikeUMC, or you can find me on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash TheRealMikeDesitel. And uh, my last name, by the way, is spelled K-O-B-L-E-R. My Twitter handle is at Tim Kobler and Facebook.com slash Tim Kobler. You, that's so easy. Too simplistic, I know. So easy. Uh so with that, uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, hit us up with questions, ideas, thoughts. Uh, if you'd like to be on a future episode of the podcast, hit me up. Uh, we do have, uh, like, the first ten chapters are, are scheduled, but we have many more to go. Uh, so with that, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.